Mr. Pop. He'll be back on his feet and back on your TV screens very soon, Brian. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. And a very good welcome... A very, a very hello. No, hang on. A, a welcome. I've got the shit start already. <laughs> Come on. Well, you know what threw me. I said, and I, when I said the word rolling, you went ah. So the, <laughs> so you completely threw me out. So, uh, 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 all right. Hello, Brian Mannix. How are you? How do you reckon I am? <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely miserable. I've just uh, been quitted. That a very good friend of ours from the show. Very good friend has had a concerning fall. And I speak of Dan Andrews. Oh, He's had geez. a concerning fall. Oh. He must have slipped over at his new $5.5 million uh, mansion that he bought in Brighton. Right. But our man of the, our man of the people is down. Right. Okay. We'll get to that. Uh, welcome to Rock and Roll, incidentally. And uh, Mark Fine. Hello, Finey. How are we, boys? Hello, all of our great listeners. Absolutely. My name's Kevin Hillier. Uh, firstly, I want to. Uh, there is a, a couple of momentous occasions and uh, milestones that need to be uh, acknowledged uh, as part of the program. Before we get to Brian and his concerns for the uh, leader, <laughs> leader of the state of Victoria. Uh, uh, firstly, uh, 25th wedding anniversary for Mr. Fine and Mrs. Fine. So the lovely Mark and Natalie uh, have been celebrating, I believe. Yeah, we went to Tasmania. It's actually on Wednesday, so mm. it's tomorrow. Yes. But- and, and do you know what that marks, actually? Because we got married on the day of the first Melbourne Grand Prix. So it's 25 years since the Melbourne, the Grand Prix returned to Melbourne. Oh, okay. Um, so a little way to remember my 25th wedding anniversary. But, yeah, we had a great time in Tasmania. Can't, oh, gee, I love Hobart. Hobart's beautiful. Hobart's a lovely spot. And, and what a great way for you to celebrate your wedding anniversary by dropping a big burnout because it's 25 years since the Grand Prix started. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so did the children do something special for you, finally? Because you've got enough of them. You've got four of them. They Surely they surely they stumped up and did something special for the occasion. Yeah, they, they completely destroyed the house while we were away. Um Hey, Tony, they put on a great party. I had a ball. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, they haven't really done much, but it is tomorrow. They've still got an opportunity. I doubt they're going to take that opportunity. Nevertheless, a wonderful time, really. I mean, I've got to say, the food, going out, not just restaurants, but delis and that in Hobart, now outstrip Melbourne. I, I, I seriously, they've got a better food scene than we do. Yeah. What's the um? What's the little? I can't remember the name of the market they have there on the weekends, which is fantastic. Yeah, we went Salamanca Market That's on the it. Saturday. Yep. And uh, pretty good if you're a vegan or you like eating wallabies. Um, <laughs> had some nice pay, but the actual restaurants are fantastic. We stayed at two different places. One right down in Salamanca Place. Which is which is called the Moss, and then we went to a bed and breakfast, really nice place that we've been to before up Davy Street called the Islington. Oh, and I've got and I've got to say the people there are friendly. It's easy to get around. I like it. I like Hobart. I yeah. like it. it is so easy to get around. 
Actually, you know what Body. I did notice? Sorry, Brian, I did one thing I just did want to say. Uh, uh, they actually, they're pretty good drivers in Hobart too, I noticed from memory. Well, I've got to say, the Uber drivers, every car was perfect and very good service. And you can get most places for 6 or $7. Yeah. I picked up a couple. Of, I brought them home, actually. I picked up a couple of decent guys. Oh, sorry. Chicks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you said you picked up a couple. And I thought, oh, you picked up a couple of chicks and brought them home. Yeah. So, so, sorry. I don't think I'd get that as a present. No. Uh, a, couple, a couple of rock lobsters, um, about 40 bucks each, just over half a kilo, or even more, three quarters of a kilo. So you get really nice crayfish down there oh, at a yeah. good price. Yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all most enjoyable. It's a bit hilly for me. You've got to be a bit of a mountain goat. It's not impossible that when all the kids have moved out and if all the ducks are in a row, we could, you know, we could, I could, I could spend my say it, last days in heaven. Yep. Ah, I wouldn't. So you said you stayed at a mosque and at the Islamic hotel. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd pick up on. Well done. Well done, Brian. Yeah, no, no wonder it was a cheap holiday. Aren't the Tasmanian people fantastic, though? They're really, really friendly. You know, I, I, it's sort of a cross between a country town and I guess you'd call it something between Ballarat and Canberra. Is it? Maybe equal to Canberra, I don't know. That's a bit harsh on it. But what they are are just they, they they all seem like sort of country people to me. So if you say good day, they'll mm. say good day back. If you yeah. say if you say something like um, oh, we're from Melbourne, we love coming to Hobart, they light up. They really do. They appreciate being appreciated, and I think they put a lot of effort into the town in terms of tourism. Yep. Because you can go there for a variety of reasons. I tell you what, a lot of people do. Not me, because I'm not into it. They go on these whiskey holidays. Whiskey, you know, they've got distilleries down there. Yep. Oh, and world class, apparently. You can stay on site, and whiskey drinkers are, are flocking there, and so are golfers, and so are fishermen, and and so are old codgers who've been married for twenty five years. So it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's but, a lot. You know, we, uh, We've been the moment before the, the art gallery, but we went not to the art gallery, but to the restaurant Barrow on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Boy, was that an experience because it combines the food, which was world class, with various experiences in in art that are really out there. So it was full on. Well, given that oh. Mona has a wall of vaginas, what the hell did they do in a restaurant? Well, in the restaurant, there's a giant. The a giant ball, and you get taken in there two at a time for 15 minutes. And what it is, you lie on a, on a bed, you have to sign a waiver that guarantees you don't get up to any shenanigans, and, and they're watching you anyhow. And that makes it even better, though, finally. <laughs> anyway, <go. laughs> very good. Uh, and there's sort of this um, probing light show, and it's really interesting because. Uh, the lights probe in different colours and patterns, but Natalie and I actually saw different colours oh. for the same thing. That's how you perceive things. It's, it's quite interesting. 
Is this preceded by the magic mushrooms or do they come after it? it it's got all of that. It, it, you know, I, I'm not into any hallucinogenics. I, I just I'm, I don't really drink that much, even though I did drink a bit on this uh, sort of getaway because it's not with my missus. Um, but <laughs> the well, she likes she likes a glass of wine, so I, I was sort of having the sweet cocktails at the same time. But yeah, you could easily you could you could certainly imagine it, it's exactly what you'd imagine a sixties sort of LSD experience would be enhanced by or. Put you in an asylum. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brian, I'm there. what are you going to so say? There. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. <laughs> and you know, considering it was your 25th wedding anniversary, I think they would have turned a blind eye to have a little crack on the bed while the throws were going <laughs> oh, off. Jesus, um, Brian. You know, it would have been one to remember. It. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, congratulations, Bonnie, on the 25th wedding anniversary. Good on, good on you, Brian. I appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. No, uh, and I think uh, I think Natalie must be off for sainthood, surely. Yeah, a lot of people have um, – I, I sort of sent a tweet out and I called Natalie, Natalie TLS, the long suffering. Yeah. And I got all these replies, God bless you, Natalie. How did you do it, Natalie? <laughs> yeah. They've never, never even – yeah, they know me a bit, I guess. But no, it was all all in good all in good all in good spirit and I cannot recommend Tasmania. Anyhow, if you want to go overseas, you've got to go to Tasmania. Yep. There you go. Yep, yep. Oh, no, it's a, it's a terrific spot. And uh, um, we, we did it a couple of years back and uh, and only really scratched the surface of, uh, of what you could do. I'd, I'd love to spend a lot more time there and just drive around. And The anxiety levels as soon as you land on the island, once you get past the sniffer dogs, Brian, are pretty good. Yeah. Oh, good, good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My little sniffer dog. They're, they're cute little buggers, aren't they, at the airport? Yeah, I don't know what they're sniffing for, but not the one that was sniffing me certainly likes men's testicles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's a shortage of those in Tasmania, but uh, you know, maybe maybe you might have caught him on an off day, Finey. Or, or he was just, you know, it's the old thing. I, I was down the street the other day. I've probably already told this joke, so I'm not going to tell it again. But in Tasmania. When we got off the plane, we went down to Salamanca and there was a dog there, mm. a guy with a dog, and the dog was licking its own ball. Mm. And I said to the guy, I said, oh, I'd love to be able to do that. And he said, you know what? If you give it a pat, I reckon he'd let you. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, now, the other thing, now we've got to celebrate. You've had another gig, Brian. You uh, did uh, one of those 3XY chart gigs on the weekend. I did, actually. Yeah, that was fun. Um, oh, not so much singing ant music or Adam Ant. Oh. God, that's a dreadful song. Yes. And, and I've never bothered to listen to the lyrics or read them before, but. It doesn't even make any sense. It's just terrible. But I did just get to sing John Lennon's Woman, which I really enjoyed doing. The backing girls in the band were great. And um, oh, I didn't get time off as well. So, yeah, it was fun. Really good fun. Oh, good. good gigs, those gigs. Three or five gigs at the Mimo on a Sunday. Yeah, great. 
Now, that's inspired me for a little segment I want to try later on in the program. It's like a blind really? taste test. So we'll see we'll, okay. we'll see how that goes. I've, I've printed something out and I'll unveil it. Let, let me get a beer so I can be blind. <laughs> it's not that sort of blind taste test, but you know what I mean. Right, it's, okay. uh, we'll just we'll, – we'll, we'll give it a fly and see what happens. Uh, All right. So well done on, your, on uh, being back out in front of the, uh, in front of the people again. Thank you very much. Yes, thanks. I gladly appreciate that. And the other milestone is I had a birthday last week, so I'm very happy oh, with that. And that, that happy birthday, Kev. What did you get? Well, I'm, it's funny you should ask. I got uh, I got some David Beckham uh, aftershave. All right. So, and, and trust me, that's about as posh as close to posh as I'll ever get. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the Beckham, it smells all right. I've had a bit of David Beckham in my time. And, uh, I'll beg your pardon. Well, hang on, that sounds, that sounds <laughs> terrible, no. I've, I've had some Beckham aftershave and I quite like it. Yes, so, so I do I. you've done well. Yes, I was, yeah. I was very happy with that, and I got a cake and all that stuff. So I was, I was a very happy boy. I didn't get a telegram from the uh, from the Queen, so I still must be a few years off that yet. Well, she's too busy worried about what colour the baby's going to be. <laughs> oh, Jesus! Oh, why don't you just bring actually? It's it's not her. It's not her. It's somebody. Yes, um... somebody in the firm. I wanted to know what colour the baby was going to be. They didn't know. I reckon, you know, quite frankly, she's, I, I reckon it's a fairly reasonable question. Like, if two short people got married, you'd go, oh, geez, I wonder if the baby's going to be short or it's going to be tall or, you know, or if two blonde people get married, you go, oh, geez, I wonder if the baby will have red hair. I think it's just an innocent, innocent sort of remark, but it's, you know, I can see how it could be offensive, but I think people are looking for offence with this. I just think she's black, he's white. I wonder what colour the well, baby's going to have. Uh, sorry, did I come down in the last show? I didn't actually realise that um, that Megan was uh, of any colour distraction or, or, or I don't know what the word is. Uh, his mum's a, a black American. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I must admit I didn't know any of that stuff. I don't, I don't pay attention to that. It, uh, well, you should have been watching well, last I, what, night. It was well, I did. I actually did because I was doing some other stuff and I thought I don't want to what have anything on that will involve me actually engaging with it. I'll just have something on in the background that I can keep doing what I'm doing. And I found, uh, you know, I finished up watching a lot. Of, I must admit I, the, the one thing came out of it, I, I, Oprah Winfrey is a very good interviewer. She's actually yes, very she good. Is. Yeah, I'm yeah. not crazy about her glasses, but other than that, I thought she did a good job. Wasn't that a weird look? That's like, I don't know, she was trying to look like a cartoon. Well, I reckon she looked like she'd missed the audition for the B-52s. <laughs> the hair and the glass, I thought, she'll be, she'll be, talk about rock lobster, she'll be launching to rock lobster any minute now. Uh, no, she's a good interviewer. I wasn't, I mean, I didn't really, I don't really give two, you know, two tuppany bits about... Um, the royal family, to be perfectly honest, but it was it was kind of half interesting. Did you watch any of it, Fanny? No, I heard a bit about it on on the radio this morning. Yeah, I'll bet. I mean, I don't really follow royals. I certainly don't follow Megan Sparkle and Harry Harry or whatever. But, <laughs> <laughs> but once again, they can just write whatever they want, don't they? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, maybe it's, and they've got a market, you know. Fake news has been going on well before Donald discovered it. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. 
That's for sure. Yeah, it, it was one of those things. I'm sure it rated its head off and I'm sure everyone's made a lot of money out of it, but I'm not sure that it's done anybody any good. Well, was it better than Holy Moly? I, I don't know that it was. <laughs> well, I want to talk about another TV show a little later on that bobbed up. So what, what caught your attention more? Uh, Megan and Harry, the Moomba uh, festivities or the uh, the Mardi Gras in Sydney? Which of those three? What's your, what's your podium finish there, Brian? What's gold, silver and bronze? Well, I, I guess the Moomba parade's coming in a bit of bronze. Yeah. Um, what was the other two, Mardi Gras and... And Megan and Harry, that was the other, they were the three big events of the oh, weekend. Oh, look, I'll go Megan and Harry, number two, we'll put the Mardi Gras at number one, it looked like it was a pretty good party. Yep. So, there we go. On the hallowed turf of the SCG, finey. The Mardi Gras? Yeah. I always said that about long. <laughs> apparently, apparently, about ten thousand people didn't show up because they didn't know where the SCG was. Oh, really? <laughs> well, you know, the people who go to Mardi Gras aren't probably your, your biggest sports fans, I would imagine. No, I'm no. guessing. There was a. Gee, I watched. I watched a bit of the coverage. Goodness gracious me! Um, wow, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, where did you stay when you were up there, Kit? <laughs> oh, very funny. Uh, you just pretended to go to Hobart. We know where you were funny. <laughs> yes, yeah. I've got to say, quite interestingly, in, at, when we went to Faro for dinner, and it, there was quite a bit of interaction amongst the tables. It was very friendly. Mm. There were two gay couples, men, both from Sydney. All right. Who had fled the city to come to Tasmania during Mardi Gras. All oh, right. Oh, fair enough. Any kind of parade, quite frankly, as a television spectacle is is boring as bat droppings. Um, but, uh, yeah, they tried to spice it up a bit with all sorts of people uh, doing the interviews and making appearances and that, and it was just, yeah, it, it looked like, you know, it looked like a... Uh, I don't know. It just looked like a parade of people walking around a, an oval, and it wasn't all that interesting, to be honest. Gene and Bennett's going down Oxford Street rather than in the oval. Yeah, the, the oval thing didn't work for me. I don't know. It just didn't. It just didn't work. And the fact that there was, well, you know, it was social distancing in the crowd and all that probably didn't help them. And it. The street at least gives you that. You know how when you've got a street, you can have a you can have a street parade in a really tiny little country town. They have one in Inverloch uh, around uh, Easter time. And it, you, you get the buzz from the people in the street and, and it, there doesn't need to be thousands of people, but when you do it in a virtually a coliseum type thing like a, like a, a football stadium, you need a lot of people in there to have any atmosphere. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. But I suppose, you know, better than it went ahead under COVID, with um, the rather didn't go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I agree with it that. Makes, it makes a lot of money for um, for Sydney and for Australia. Um, people from all over the world coming. Um, I guess they didn't this year. No. Yeah. Exactly. So I'll, I'll just be quiet now. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So they're the uh, they're the big events from the weekend. So we've got them covered now. I want to, I want to read you the new rules that have uh, come into force as of uh, I think they start in a couple of weekends' time. You ready for this? Okay. There'll be no high fives, no handshakes, or any other physical contact. Just uh, when you when you think you know what I'm talking about here, let me know. There'll be no sharing of drink bottles. There'll be no wearing or. T- I know what, 
Yep. Yes, Mr. Fine? No, no, keep on going because I, I think I've seen it. Right, there'll be no, t- no touching your face or your head. Where possible, you are asked to shower at home before uh, taking part in this activity. There'll be no sharing of food. Uh, there will be no spectators allowed at this particular event. At any at any stage, will any of those spectators be allowed to go onto the ground? There'll be no access to the change rooms. There'll be no sharing of official bibs or training bibs and no sharing of computer screens, iPads or headsets. Could be the launching well, of the rocket going to the moon, couldn't it? You know what? Mm-hmm. It's either junior football or my yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not I'm not privy to the latter, so I'm telling you, you're absolutely right. That's the new set of rules set down for junior football. What are they trying to prove, Kev? I, what are they trying to prove? I don't know, Brian, but uh, they're making it so as the kids might as well be playing on uh, – get 18 kids and get 18 separate ovals and let each one, one run round on an oval at a time. It just seems ridiculous when the game starts <coughs> and 15 of them dive on the ball. <laughs> yes, yes. And junior footy clubs don't have 100 balls to use during the game. They probably have about three or four tops. So th- their fingerprints and, you know, drool and whatever else they do uh, are all going to be all over that ball that they're all trying to get. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense to me. And, and didn't we work out that um, – um, most people under the age of 18 or even probably older than that are not uh, really going to be spreading the disease or, or uh, you know, they're not, they're not a, a danger. They're not in danger. That's as I understood it. That, um, that's why kids don't have to wear face masks during, down the street and stuff. Uh, yeah. And this is what happens when Dan Andrews goes down. We're lost. <laughs> oh, now, we didn't get back to the fall. Can you give us an update on... Uh, well, I don't know much. It's just coming to hand, but he's had a he's slipped and he's had a fall. It's a concerning fall, and I guess it's because he bought a new house in Brighton on the weekend. Their working class hero uh, for five point five million dollars. I imagine the floors were a bit slippery, and down he went. But uh, you know, I don't know what I'm going to watch on TV now. I'm devastated. Apparently, uh, the reports just coming through now uh, from uh, our rock and roll newsroom that uh, he'll be back on his uh, on his feet very soon. Ah, oh, shit! That day was going so well. Uh. <laughs> There's the reaction from the man on the street. <laughs> he was he's Damn. yeah he's he's done himself a uh, an injury with a fall and uh, yes, but he will be back on his feet and back on your TV screens. Very soon, Brian. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, there you go. That's the current state of politics in our country. Oof. Now, what did you make of the footy games on the weekend, Finey? was the uh, the one and only serious, uh, I guess, gazetted practice match as such. The community matches, uh, I guess – what everyone wants to get out of it is a quick look at your team, how they look, and please don't anyone get injured. Yeah, well, in recent years, I would have said around this time of the year, out of the 18 teams, probably 16 could be optimistic about making the eight or whatever, but I can put a line through a lot of teams already. I mean, Adelaide are no good. Yep. 
the fact that uh, Melbourne are no good without a forward line. It'll be half a year before they get one. Yep. Hawthorne and North played each other, so of course Hawthorne looked good, but I don't believe either of them will do anything. Yeah, I agree. The only team that really pleasantly surprised was your team, Brian. Yeah. I thought they looked okay. I did too. I thought their um, connecting around the ground was really good. Still can't kick straight. Uh, I think we kicked nine goals, 19. Um, there's still some problems in the forward line. But, yeah, there was enough. they did enough for me to sort of go into the season a little, little bit more optimistically than I was going to. That's, that's fair enough, too. I mean, the Brisbane suffered a big loss losing Cam Rayner. He oh. certainly was expected, big things expected of him. Um, yeah, I, I just think it might be a bit of a... a, a Battled for five or six teams already. So, is that good? Is, it, is that better? Is that better that you know now that your team's not going to be any good rather than go into the first six weeks of the season with this, you know, blind uh, faith hope that you know they'll they'll be okay when it when the real stuff starts? Well, there's a simple formula, isn't there? A football fan, the pleasure you get out of watching football basically is some mathematical formula that includes expectations over results. Yep. Results over expectations. So, if you if you're not expecting too much, uh, going to the season looking for young players to develop and, and you know small, what do they call them? Green shoots now or something? You yep. know, just it's, as long as your expectations aren't too high, then you can stomach what's ahead of you. But I I wouldn't have thought, with the exception maybe of Melbourne. Many of those supporters had overly great expectations. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. Uh, look, you can't tell from one round of practice matches, but I can tell you this much: that Adelaide are in for a long, cold winter. Yep. That is North Melbourne are in for a, a, a long, cold winter. There's no, there's no. I just don't have the personnel. Um, I would have thought. Hawthorne, likewise, even though they feasted on North. I mean, North have lost their two practice games. They get beaten comfortably by Hawthorne, lose to St Hilda by 90 points. I don't know whether there's much optimism there. Um, anyhow, we'll see how it goes. Up the top end, I think it's going to be quite interesting. Yeah, I think there'll still be 12 teams going for eight spots. I, I think that would be at least the configuration, wouldn't you? I think only about 10 can make it, really. Yeah. Well, when I think can make it, there's only about, I think there's only eight teams that can have a meaningful tilt of things. But that's quite a lot. Yeah. Really. Yeah, it is. I think Richmond, Port Adelaide, Brisbane, Geelong, and Kilda, the Bulldogs, West Coast, did I say Port Adelaide? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Of course, Richmond, and you have G- uh, you got GWS in your eight. I've got them circling my eight. I'm not sure I've got them in my eight, to be honest. Yeah, I've got them my spoon. No, don't like them at all. Mm. Um, yeah, not. But not. I think Sydney are a development team. Yep. They're back this year, I think. Um. 
There's some optimism at Carlton, but Nah. Yeah, I don't, um, too much too much riding on one or two blokes' heads there, and I, I just the same with Brisbane. I thought I'm, I'm Brisbane worries me. I can't rain are gone, and then if they if they get a couple of injuries, I mean, a couple of key injuries will cruel any of those teams. Where realistically do you think Essendon? Do you want Essendon to finish, Brian, uh, in terms of being a realist, not being an optimistic? A bombers supporter um, who has him in the eight. Do you do you do you realistically think you can make the eight? Um, only if there's a lot of improvements. And what I saw on the weekend, there has been a lot of improvements. They, they need more improvement. Um, I don't really want them in the eight unless they're going to win a final. Um, I think we probably, if we can't win a final, then I prefer we get a draft pick and just keep rebuilding. Okay. Now, finally, I, I would assume that you are very buoyant about um, about the chances of St Kilda because they have to say they've recruited very well and they look pretty good. And having said that, I think we just lost Finey. Well, I'll answer that for you. All right, what do you uh, answer that for me, Brian? <laughs> well, what do you what do you think? Look, do you think I, St. Kilda? I predict St Kilda to make a preliminary final at least this year. I think they're going to be very good. I like Ben Rat- uh, Ratton. I think he's Brett Ratton. I think he's. Good guy, a good coach, and uh, I wish him well. I don't know what happened. We don't know what happened either. We're not we're not technical boffins, but the question was: you must be very buoyant about St Kilda's chances this year because they've looked good. I guess, but we sort of getting a few injuries. Hopefully, I'm not too worried about Crawley. I mean, he's a sort of backup. Um, yeah, I'm optimistic. I am. When I say optimistic, I, I think that there's a very good list there. They play well together. What they are is very quick. This may well be um, sort of a new black of football with this new rule. Because when you can't move off the mark, it certainly opens up the opportunity for um, you know, quick ball movement. I think it's quite well. Yep. You know, well, we weren't sure of it so it seems to work quite well in terms of uh, giving the player with the ball the opportunity uh, if he if he's a decent to really move the ball on with purpose. Are you doing? Are you, have you moved to Santa's workshop while we lost your your light? It sounds like people are manufacturing toys in the background. For some reason, no, it was me making a cup of coffee. Oh, is that what it was? Oh, well, it was close. I was close. It was it was Maddox <laughs> making a cup of coffee. God, you're noisy in the kitchen, Maddox. I'm sorry. My Jeez. apologies to Yeah, I was sort of a bit needed something to drink, so I couldn't get find a can of Coke. So this will have to do. Right. So, are we white with two sugars? What are you having? Um, I don't have any milk, so it's black with two sugars actually, but. Uh, you know, that's all right. All right. I'm happy. I'm happy with that. All right. Now, this, so there's no. This is the weekend of uh, no football uh, in terms of AFL footy, but AFLW footy continues. They've got, uh, I think, three games to go, counting this weekend, uh, heading into the, the final series there. So uh, there's, there's that's at the business end of the season. They've seemed to have sorted out who's going to make finals and who isn't. Finally, by the looks of things. And yeah, who's, yeah. I think we've had the have nots in in AFLW and. I think the finals will throw up some very good football. Yeah, as Brian said last week, the, the standards definitely improved. There's no doubt about that. But the bottom end of the competition has got a long way to go 
um, A, to catch the top end of the competition and B, to uh, to be, I think, watchable when there's two very bad teams playing. It's not it's not good to watch then, but, you know, neither is the men's. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know people who will be flocking to watch Adelaide North Melbourne or, you know, those sort of games in the second half of the season either. Yeah. Uh, We've got to put it in perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, don't not to get too precious about the whole thing. Hey, do you watch any of the T Twenty cricket Australia and New Zealand, the five series there at all? Either of you? No, I missed it. Okay, we lost. Yeah. I mean, two nil down, fought back well, and got absolutely slaughtered in the final game. Yeah, you know what I. I can't, I can't get invested in T20 cricket when crappy full tosses continue to take wickets um, at a very, very high rate in that form of the cricket. I just, I just see it and go, you know what? That's that's crap. Yeah, well, yeah. it is. It is sort of a tactic to bowl full at times, well, really that, full. That, that uh, New Zealand spinner, Sodi, came on and bowled to, I'm trying to think, it was Ashton Agar and I think it was Stoinis. Um, in the middle of the Australian uh, sort of uh, innings in the in the fifth and final, the deciding game, and he was on a hat-trick having bowled two ranked full tosses that got caught like 14 centimetres inside the, the boundary. It was just like awful, awful cricket. Yeah, it's not great, isn't it? And I'll tell you what, if you didn't watch it, I would defy any Australian cricket fan to be able to name the Australian bowling lineup. Yeah, I agree. I t- totally agree. Um, it's the two Richardsons, Zampa, uh, Agar's the all rounder, and I'm trying to think of who the other bowler is. Uh, Meredith. That's it, Riley Meredith. Yeah, the quick. Yeah, and that's yeah, only, and he, I, only, he, I only know that because I watched it. He had a very interesting bunny in that competition. Who was that? Kane Richardson? Kane Williamson, yeah. Williamson, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Um, bowled three balls to him and two of them got him out. Yes. Third, probably the third best batsman in the world at the moment um, is the New Zealand skipper. Yeah, so I guess those things come and go, don't they? Except there is a cricket. 20 World Cup coming up, and all the countries, I think, are taking it pretty seriously. Yeah, they are. There's much conjecture about who will be in the Australian line. I'm good to, I was glad to see Aaron Finch fight back and get some runs. He's a, he's a quality player, and every batsman in the world, regardless of what level you play at, goes through a trough of not making runs. Yeah, especially in that form cricket. Oh. Of course they do. You're a, you're a, you know, I mean, you get a rank full toss and you whack it and you think it's going to go out of the ground and somebody bobs up and takes it on the on the fence. It's, yeah, not um, not good. Now, the NRL also starts this week, boys. Are you excited about the Melbourne Storms Premiership defence? Oh, yeah. It's going to be really interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it will. So I think they're, um, they're in good shape again. They smashed uh, Newcastle, didn't they? Yep. And, um, yeah, I think... Um, Bellamy does a great job finding new players all the time, and yeah, I reckon we're in really good hands. The first time in in the modern era, I guess, where there's no Smith, no Slater, no Cronk. It's the uh, the big three finally have finished their time at the at the club with Cam Smith, obviously not going to play again. Uh, at I don't think at any level. So, 
Um, that's that's certainly the, the the an era has finished. Yeah, yeah. about a lot of those, especially without Cam. But you know, when you've got players like Munster and um, Josh Abbott, you know, you, you you've got plenty of stars in that team, so. It's in good hands, I would have thought. Oh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, they've still got a Smith. Brandon Smith's going to be playing. Um, you know, I think they've got a terrific team. The uh, the Bromwich brothers are, are great. Uh, the, you know, Kafusi's a good player. Um, Jerome Hughes is developing as a good player. They're a good team, uh, the Storm. Uh, and that's what Bellamy builds. He builds great teams and they just happen to finish up being star players because of it, but he builds the team first. You could do worse than put money on them to win the flag. And you could probably double it by putting Richmond in there as well. You get pretty good money for that. Yeah, I would imagine that's uh, probably a very popular bet too. And NRL, AFL, uh, Quinella there between those two. I'm not convinced you know, about I, Richmond this year, to be honest. I've, no, I've, I'm, I'm leaning towards Brisbane actually. Yeah, I might have until Cam Rayner got hurt. Yeah, oh, they've got Joe Danner there now, so he's. <laughs> Isn't he a good player? Ah, uh, look, the Gold Coast had three of their tall defenders not playing when he kicked the four goals, so he'll be injured before round one. Just give it time. Under normal circumstances, you would not have paid one bit of attention to Brisbane playing the Gold Coast, but because Joe Danaher's playing, all of a sudden, you know who the Gold Coast have got playing, you know who's playing for Brisbane, you know how many goals he kicked, you know how many marks he dropped. Jeez. Well, we're to pay two hundred thousand dollars a game, you know. They're getting him a lot cheaper than that. Is mm. he playing? Yeah, like, I was watching Brisbane Gold Coast, and yeah. two commentators come up with, you know, absolute tripe. So they oh. were talking about Canada, and one of them posed the question: maybe Dermy. He, he said, "Gee, I wonder how Essendon supporters will feel watching Joe Danaher go around." And one of the special comments people, Jordan Lewis was doing the game, or Alistair Lewis, or Bretton Speed said, you know what, after all the dreadful luck he's had with injuries, I don't think any Essendon fans had begrudged him getting a good run of injury-free football up at Brisbane. Oh, I thought, yes. I thought you, just don't know, you don't know football fans. Yeah, exactly you are right. absolutely uh... saying, you're saying... Well, sounds right, but ain't true. Yeah. Oh, yes. And Brian just said it. Perfect timing, Brian. That's exactly the word that would have come out of everybody's mouth at that time when that statement was being made. Essendon fans hate him. And we hate him even more for not being injured. If he was up there being injured, we'd probably go, oh, well, you know, fair enough. Yeah. But to be injured for us for three years and play 15 games in three years or something, and then to not miss a training session, and oh, it's, a, it's a cruel blow, I tell you. Yeah, no, it's very hard to swallow. Very, very hard to swallow. Yeah. And you're right, Finey. I, I think I was, I was going to bring this up. Um, they're talking about who's taken Bruce's place in the commentary box and uh, what they're going to do on Friday nights and Saturday nights and all that. I'm glad my hearing's going because I just cannot stand to listen to the tripe that comes out of the mouths of most of the commentary team these days. I'm, uh, I don't need someone to tell me what's going on in the game. I actually like to watch it and make my own mind up about things. So I don't I don't need the commentary for that and I don't much care the names of the other players. I know the names of the 
blokes that I like, and if someone catches my eye, I'll find out their name. But I, I'm so over the over-commentary of our sport at the moment. I, I think I'm really jaded with it. Well, it's going to be better better with Jimmy Barnes joining the team this year, Seth. <laughs> um, you know, his knowledge of football is second to none. And, uh, you know, I'm just pleased that he's got a job because I've been worried about him and Jane and yes. their finances. But um, he's picked up the Bruce McAvaney football job and uh, he'll be okay for a while. Oh, good. Oh, good. Whew. Wow. Whew. Feel much better now. Well, what what's your thoughts on the commentary side of what's going on in footy and cricket? I mean, it's not just footy too. I'm not just uh, baking the footy commentators. It's it's all sport commentary at the moment to me that I watch is just so overdone. Bar one, you know, I'm a big fan of the EPL because my beloved West Ham are having a season like no other. Yeah, I agree with that. Why those English commentators? You know, today our game was called by Martin Tyler. Now, oh, he's the best. How long has he been around and he still has just a perfect sense of timing, of rhythm, of just everything, even going to the halftime break. Yep. Just a sense of the game, the right crescendo. It's just perfect. Yep. Yeah. It's, in fact, towards the end of the game, you see West Ham led 2-0 against Leeds and Leeds peppered the goal in the second half and, and couldn't breached the defences, and he, with about a minute to go, he said, you know what, even West Ham goes, no, I'm going to pull myself up. I was about to say something, and it was ridiculous, because I said, even, I was going to say, even West Ham fans wouldn't begrudge Rafiti, who has played a brilliant game for Leeds and didn't score, wouldn't begrudge him a goal, and I pulled myself up because no respecting fan Ever, nothing for grunge and opposition at all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely so right. He had that same sort of moment, like the Danaher moment. Yeah, pulled himself up and explained why how stupid it was to even think it. Yep. Yeah. And that's that's and that's yeah. knowing the how the fans think and and thinking about them, not thinking about what's actually coming out of your mouth, which is unfortunately what I think a lot of commentators are worried about. How um, how they're going to be seen, whether someone's going to requote their comment, all that sort of stuff is big, is permeating all this now. I just yeah, and the in and the in joke part of it is just. I'm sorry they've they've belted that to death too. I'm kind of a bit over the conversations about you know uh, what you did in your day. I, I think it's been done to death. Yeah, let me tell you about the X Men anyway. <laughs> uh, I actually. Oh God, I I amuse myself sometimes. You, you do. You amuse me too. But I know you're just hanging out for the Godzilla versus King Kong movie that's coming. Oh, that'll be beautiful. No, no, I'm, I really am hanging out for that. I love King Kong, and I'm reckon he's about a dollar eighty favourite to punch the living for Jesus out of Godzilla. Right. Godzilla's only got really small arms. So we, I think um, that will work in King Kong's favour. I saw the promos for this that are running, uh, you know, on everything at the moment, uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, the big movie uh, coming this month. Really, is that what we've got to with our movie making in, in the world? Is that is that well, no. no, there's nothing wrong with King Kong versus Godzilla. I think it was made in Queensland. Um, 
no, that's exactly the sort of movie I'd want to go and see at the pictures. I think that's, that'll be beautiful. King Kong and Godzilla, and they're having a fight. Probably be a few explosions. Woohoo! <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. What more could you want, Kev? Oh, well, I don't like popcorn, so you'll buy some barbecue potato chips and you and I will go and watch it. I'm tipping there's a really tough chicken that doesn't take any shit from men. Right. Okay. No, she's married it's a to new Martin. idea. They haven't done that in a movie before, but <laughs> in this one, they're going for it. <laughs> yeah. Going to be played by Natalie Fine. Anyway. <laughs> Going to come and hit people with a rock lobster. Yeah. After after 25 years, she's, she's, she's well qualified for the role. Well qualified for the role. Well, there you go. God, so, whatever... When you go and see it, don't tell me who wins. Oh, yeah. No. Right. Uh, spoiler alert. They could have alternate endings. So one time you go see it, King Kong wins. The next time you see it, Godzilla wins. Third time it's a draw. Well, that's a good know? idea. And then the fourth time, for some reason, Sylvester Stallone comes out and he wins. <laughs> and what would Sylvester Stallone say to Godzilla and King Kong, do you think, Brian? Godzilla, that's what you do. It hurts too bad. It hurts too bad. Yep. Yep. That about sums it up. Rocky versus Godzilla. Now that's a there's a movie for you, Kev. Yeah, there you go. Rocky versus Rocky versus Godzilla. And they meet the monkeys and the Harlem Globetrotters. Well, Rocky'd have a better reach than Godzilla because Godzilla, as you quite rightly point out, has tiny, weeny little arms. So, yeah, that he'd, have him, he'd have him there. He'd want to be using that big tail of his as much as he could. And the legs, they can work like a kangaroo. So, he'd watch out for them. But I just think that King Kong is going to be a bit more agile. He'd be able to get behind him, bite him on the neck. Yeah, I've got my money on King Kong. Right. We really, we really do get to the really nitty gritty of the subjects of the world. Don't well, we? we're supposed to be talking about sport. We may as well give people a, a hint as to who to put their money on: King Kong or Godzilla. Yeah, it's perfect. So <laughs> I'm surprised why Ladbrokes or Sportsbet or the Tab or someone isn't running a book on who wins between Godzilla and King Kong. I'm super surprised. I'll, I'll get it, ring up my friends at Sportsnet and tell them to get a market out. That'd yep. be beautiful. I reckon they'll uh, they'll they'll jump to that one. Absolutely jump <laughs> to it. Oh god, gentlemen, mm-hmm. I just change the subject for a minute. You may please do. <laughs> Are you familiar with the form of poetry known as a haiku? Uh, I'll be honest and say no. I'll just agree with Kev. <laughs> All right, they're Japanese poems. They're only they only are three they're three line poems. And yeah. there's a rule the, the rule of a haiku is the first line is five syllables, the second line is seven syllables, yeah. and the third line is five syllables. Okay, so, so you can write them you can write them in English and they're supposed to be sort of witty, with the last line being the thing in the tail. Right. But they must be five syllable, seven syllable, five syllable, and not rhyming. So it's not the boy from Nantucket. No, right. They don't rhyme. Right. Is there a famous? Is there a famous one we would know that would would uh, you know alert us to how it works? Uh, I don't know. I, there probably are. There's famous Japanese ones, but 
But I've been riding, I've, I've for a bit of fun, been riding football haikus. Ah, now I was going to ask yeah. if you had if you had some examples that uh, you could do uh, parade. Yeah, so before I was us. just wondering why are we discussing this if we none of us know what it is. <laughs> because Finey's clearly written some of it. <laughs> oh, well, and, come on, let's and, let's get an example, Finey. And based on his work right. with the lyrics and you know the song parodies he did, I'm yeah. uh, this, this is uh, this is a treat. Would be pretty good. Yeah. All right. So here's one. Looks like under 10, Ruckman tapped to himself, goal, Nick Natanui. I've still no clear as to how it works. <laughs> well, that's five syllables, seven syllables, five syllables. How about this one? Problem with foxes? Plugger exterminators. We choke them for free. Oh, now hang on now. I'm to, that's starting, that, that, the rhythm of that is starting to uh, remind me of something and I can't think of what it is. Nick remember Brad Fox? That, that one was a reference to Brad Fox, the Essendon player that he choked to death almost. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't remember him. How about this one? Oh. Loyal, to, loyal to the core. A flower amongst the weeds. Rest in peace, Tulip. Uh, Robbie Flower, yes. Very or, nice. Or, or, yeah. Avert your eyes, child. Medusa for non-Pies fans. Gold Lame jacket. Oh, Joffa. Is that Joffa? Yeah, well, you know, it's like that's if you're a non-Pies fan, you don't want to see it. Yep. I'll yep. give you a couple more. Yep. For the first season of AFL Survivor, invite both Sam Reeves. Yeah. This is called Fark You, is that right? Moment. This time poetry is called Fark Hi, Q. Oh, sorry, Mike. My mistake. My mistake. <laughs> and we'll finish with this one. Now, this one sort of reads more interesting than anyhow. All right. So, putting, or we'll say putting, then putting. But, of course, both felt the same. So, the first line is putting, then putting. Then, putting our friend's life. Now, holy moly, Sam. Ah, there you go. All right. Uh, I'm, st- I'm still going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you haven't picked up on it yet? No, no. I sort of, I don't know. I wasn't, yeah, no. Um, but I like, the, I like the sound of it, but um, I couldn't write one. I don't understand it enough yet, but I'll do some research over the weekend. You right. get this one. I'll give you one you'll get for sure. This All one, right. This one will make sense to everybody. Okay, I hope. Here we go. How about this one? First win in four years. The pub stays open till Tuesday. Footy in the bush. All right. I, I, I'm not getting it either, to be honest. I'm not understanding where, it, where kind of how it works. You know, is in two plus well, two it, equals it's four. Sort of, not. Is yeah, it, so, I mean, the challenge is to write it. In the syllable, so it's got yeah. a bit of that rhythm to it. Yeah, yeah. No, I get the rhythm. I've got the rhythm, and the rhythm reminds me of something. But I, and, and that hasn't that hasn't popped into my head yet. What it's reminding me of. It's not a song. It's something else. And it's not. It's somebody who is there. Someone who does that as as like their act, because that's I'm, I'm, that's the sort of flash I'm getting about it. But I'm not. Maybe. Yeah, I'm try, I can't think of who it is. 
Can't think of who it is. Now, Brian, I mentioned earlier yeah. that you did the 3XY show, which is the second or third time you've done that? Yeah, it's the third, I think, yeah. Which, which basically is they grab a chart uh, and uh, yeah. they, they pick, what, a dozen songs and get three or four or they five do, people? They get a 3XY top 40 and they do the top 20 from a particular year. So we did, I think, 1981 last week. Okay. So you do three songs and someone else does three songs and someone else, and that's how it works. Yeah, they have about nine singers. It's good. It's a really good day, and yeah. the, the band and the backing local girls are fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a challenge to sing something that you've never sung before, but um, it's you know it's a good challenge. So I enjoyed it. All right. Well, so with that in mind, I, I did a quick Google skirt search um, yeah. and uh, and came up with a top forty chart from years ago. Yeah. I haven't looked at it. I've just printed it out. Okay, so, so I haven't looked at it. So it's a top 40 chart, so I'm turning the piece of paper over now, and I went just in a one of those searches where you go, you know, the 3XY top 40 chart, 19, whatever. So yep. w- what I've come up with as I turn it over is back in uh, – where? what year are we talking about here? I think it's 1990. Um Somewhere, I think it's September. I think it's March of 1990. This because it was when 3XY uh, had merged, not merged, but become under the same ownership as uh, as Bay FM, which is the radio station I'm currently working for. So, yeah. uh, and they put out a, 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 a composite chart. So here we have the Stereo Airwaves Top 40 Singles. So I'm going to give you, you, you just this is one of those random things where. Give me a number, I'll give you the song and you can tell me whatever you can about the song, whatever you remember about it, and just uh, like your little kind of flashpoint memory of whatever the song was. So, Brian, give me a number. We'll go to the singles. Number seven. Number seven? Number seven, yeah. Okay. Number seven is Blame It On The Rain by Millie Vanilli. What do you remember about them? (laughs) Well, they were produced by the same guy that did Boney M, and I think Boney M, only one of them could sing, and, of course, Millie Vanilli, they won the Grammy and they couldn't speak English and, of course, they didn't even actually sing on their records and have to give the Grammy back. But um, what a great moment in pop music that was. Can you remember the song? Can you sing it? Um, What's it called again? Blame It On The Rain. No, I can't remember how it goes, but if I heard it, I'd know it. All right. Give me a number, Fanny. Why why should Brian have to sing it? Millie Vanilli didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good point. Just move your lips, Brian. Nothing needs to come out. Just move your lips and there you go. You've done Millie Vanilli. Give me a number, Fanny. Uh, 13. 13. Number 13 is, oh, well, you, you've, you've picked a good one. You'll know about this one. Give me your uh, chalk outline of Blue Sky Mine by Midnight Oil. Well, I reckon that's one of them. I mean, look, I like Midnight Oil. Mm-hmm. Um, now I can't tell you what album it's off, but that's one of my that that'd be one of my favourite songs of this. That'd be right up there. Right? Can you sing it? Uh, uh, I can't sing. Um, so blues. Uh, it's in my head. Yep. Um, no, it's one that yeah, the, the melodies. We've got in something head. on the table. Is there something on the table in that song? There'll be food on the table tonight. That's right. Is that, is that the sugar refining factory won't save me? Who's going to save me? Who's going to save me? That's it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm not surprised you like that one. It was played when it came out, I think, 
radio played it every 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. And, and they're still playing. Yeah, flogged it. Absolutely flogged it. I saw it on Rage yeah. the other night. All right, pick another number, Brian. Between 1 and 40 and you can't have 7 and 13. Your number is? Oh, like 29. 29. Number 29, Gary ladies We talked about the, this uh, this group uh, popped up earlier. It's the B-52s Ooh. and Love Shack. Oh, yeah. What's the, well, fam- what's the famous line in it? The spoken line. Tin roof, rust yeah. Tin roof, rust or something. Yep. Yeah. Everybody, every yeah, man's... good song. Yeah, it is a good song. And um, it's actually John Lennon heard it when he was in the Bahamas and thought, geez, it sounds like Yoko Ono's music. And he thought the world's finally ready for Yoko's music, so we're going to make an album. And um, that's the beginning of Stay uh, uh, Double Fantasy. There you go. Is that right? Yeah, because he thought it sounded like Yoko Ono, the B-52s. Okay. They're like her music. Yeah. There you go. All right. Okay. Pick another number, Finey. Uh, three. Number three. <laughs> oh, 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 talk about cheesy. Sacrifice, Elton John. Remember that? Sacrifice. Uh, uh, look, Elton John at his best, um, um, uh, you know, like, he's, um, what star did he sing? Starman? Um, no. Which, what, which one did he sing? Uh, yeah, Rocket uh, Man. Rocket, Rocket Man. Man. This is a great song. Yes. And at his worst, he's done absolute shot like sacrifice. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I thought Rocket Man was always about an uncircumcised penis, but anyway. What? Well, I thought Rocket Man was about a guy with an uncircumcised penis. Where did you get that from? Well, I remember at St. Francis de Sales, if a kid wasn't circumcised, we told him he said he'd have a rocket. Good grief. Well, Rocket Man, you think of Elton John, he'd be, he'd be noticing well, that sort of stuff. Well, it's got nothing to do with the you. You're just not. Oh, it's can't be fooled by the, <laughs> the illusion to space, Kev. It's Good. clearly about some, some <laughs> rampant sex. Oh, Elton John style. Okay. Right. Um, and what was what was Candle in the Wind about? Was that about an uncircumcised? That was about lighting up fast, Kev. <laughs> that lighting up fast. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, what is <laughs> What's another uh, huge Elton John song that uh, you could possibly <laughs> turn into some sort of sexual innuendo? That's what, maybe I'm, the, still sta- I'm, I'm Still Standing is about Viagra. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what we'll do next week, the sexual connotations of Elton John songs. No, we won't. <laughs> no, we won't. All right, we'll play around with that again uh, again uh, on our next program. We'll, uh, we'll get a blind chart like and that. go through and just – for highlights oh, of the number, one, the number one song on that chart was "Nothing Compares to You" by Sinead O'Connor. Oh, don't you feel like tearing up a picture of the Pope right now? Oh, yeah, but that's a beautiful vocal. That's it's one of the most pristine vocals you'll ever hear. <laughs> I reckon he is good. A Prince yeah. song from memory. Yeah, yeah, it was. All right, boys, that's it. We're done. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you both. As always, it's been lovely. It's been terrific. Happy anniversary, Fanny. Tomorrow, uh, enjoy it. Have a lovely day with Natalie, and I hope the kids do do something nice for you. And uh, try and get some sleep, Brian. Will you? Yes, and get well, uh, Dan Andrews. Get well, my friend. Get um, well. Get well and truly. Get, get well <laughs> and buy yourself a, a green jacket. Yes. All right. That'll see you, boys. Good. See you, Fanny. See you.
You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. 